Hello everyone, this is Yulei Strate. Today I'm hosting Andrei Shanu, aka Divushka in the gaming world. Andrea is a veteran esports journalist and, of course, gamer. Join us on this episode as we discuss the amazing growth of the esports industry, the differences between esports and gaming, the types of jobs, teams, and esports culture, about professional athletes and what it takes to become one. If you do find these types of conversation useful, you can support the podcast by subscribing to it. To access the video podcast and subscribe for free to my YouTube channel, go to youtube.com, type in Skills for Mars, and hit the subscribe button. Alternatively, you can go to my website, yuleistrata.com forward slash skills for Mars and click the YouTube confirm your subscription button. And now I give you Andrea Eshanu. Uh, hi, hi, Andrea, and welcome to the Skills for Mars podcast. I'm very, very happy to have you here. Thank you very much. I'm also extremely grateful to, to be on, on the table with you. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I think, one of the rare podcasts that I'm going to have because uh, I work in a field where esports is not at all spoken about. Mm-hmm. Nothing. This industry in the game of an HR specialist doesn't really exist. I don't even know if they actually have HR people. You told me about they psychologists. Probably they probably yeah, anyway, we'll go, think, uh, go, into, we'll go into the details. But uh, yes, I've not known anyone. I have not seen any profile on LinkedIn of any any HR working in esports. So I think this is quite. This is going to be quite uh, interesting for everyone uh, listening because it's a new industry. It's an industry that's booming. It's. Uh, I read about it, but I'm not so sure at about just the esports at about one billion right now, but growing really, really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Some people say that it's uh, actually way more than uh, way more than that. This is not considering the gaming industry, just uh, just esports. So I'm very happy to talk to you about this uh, new industry, new skills that are growing, new jobs that are appearing on the market. Thanks for taking the time from visiting beautiful. Amsterdam to sit down with me and not be outside. It's not even raining today. So (laughs) (laughs) cool. So Andrea, just to start a bit, can you tell everyone a bit what is esports? What are esports and what's maybe the difference between esports and gaming? Yeah, sure. In uh, in very general lines, uh, you you have to look at them as uh, I mean, gaming or uh, computer games and esports. You have to look at them as uh, two separate industries that uh, uh, work for each other, if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, gaming and uh, the gaming market is is the part or the branch that uh, that has all the uh, big studios that produce the games the computer games <clears throat> and those computer games uh, can be uh, very competitive can can become a, a, a real uh, competitive game that requires skill team uh, a lot of time or they can be really relaxing and uh, just for <clears throat> entertaining purposes then you have the esports uh, the esports are electronic sports, if you want. This is how the term Mm -hmm. can be (coughs) a bit uh, translated, if you want. Uh, The esports is the competitive side. Uh, They they usually work uh, with with games that (coughs) allow or uh, have a good setup for the players, for the casual players to to turn themselves into a professional athlete, if you want, Mm -hmm. Uh, an electronic athlete. It's it's a really bad term. Mm -hmm. We don't like it, but (laughs) it's how uh, the general masses (laughs) see it. Coined it, yeah. Yes. 
and and in these sports you can have uh, from uh, solo play games so from consoles and Nintendo and things like that to team play uh, games like uh, Dota 2, Counter Strike, uh, Fortnite, and so on. So you you have these two very <coughs> not very they are similar. They are competitive. They mm-hmm. they play against each other. The the goal is to win versus someone versus a real person, not versus the computer, right? Although uh, there's also com- uh, championships of Tetris, for instance. We, we really? just recently had, okay. yeah, we just recently had the world championship of, uh, at Tetris. So yeah, that's a lot of strategy going there mm-hmm. as well. That's why. Oh, interesting. Um, why do we call this a separate industry? The esports. The, the esports, yes. And why would teams playing against each other form an industry? Is there something more to this? Of course. So, uh, You have the game developer. Let's uh, let's uh, take uh, some examples like uh, Valve for mm-hmm. Dota 2, Counter Strike, or Riot for uh, League of Legends. Uh, you have the game developer. They they make the game, right? Uh, they would uh, of course uh, develop platforms to to help the competitiveness to mm-hmm. to to so you can actually play in a bracket and so on. Have mm-hmm. have some some. Uh, some of the, that stuff st- sorted for you. But then <clears throat> if you have a team of five players, let's say, because Dota 2, uh, CSGO and uh, LOL are 5v5, if you have a team of five players, th- those players will need more than just a good computer at home and a microphone to communicate between each other. They will need a manager to mm-hmm. to, to sort out all the travel for them. They will need uh, social media handlers. Uh, the team will need a social media handler, uh, someone okay. that takes care of their image, right? What, what's going on outside? They will need uh, uh, someone uh, that takes uh, care of their accounts, uh, 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 mm-hmm. an account manager, right? Uh, what's the English word for for the people that uh, do your uh, bills at the end of the month? Accountant. Accountant, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see, at least you don't have to deal with that every day. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, I can see and, that. And, in and so sport, many other, right? I mean, uh, and, and, uh, as the industry grew and mm-hmm. as things got more and more serious and more and more money involved uh, and, and the players had to play from uh, $1,000 to 1 million and 5 million in the next year. Of course, there's pressure, stress, anxiety, and, and you go then and you will need a psychologist, they will need a coach. And this is how the, the industry actually expanded so fast. And, mm-hmm. and then you have the tournament organizers because, uh, for instance, for non-riot games, <coughs> uh, Valve, for, for example, will allow uh, a company to organize or anyone else in this world to organize a tournament for their game. So if uh, you, Yulia, you'd uh, want tomorrow to organize a Dota 2 tournament, you'll just have to email Valve, uh, show them uh, yeah, that I can do it, that you can do it. And they'll say, okay, go. Okay. Right. And uh, this is how tournament organizers actually become a real thing uh, and very big. We have companies like ESL, which are huge and have offices around the world. We have DreamHack, we have uh, a lot of them. And then they have to have also all the things that I told you about the teams, right? Yes. So the, because there's a, a production company in the end. Very, very interesting. When when did this start? So when did this industry start booming? When did we go away from playing computer games at home and being competitive with friends? So it's not, oh. it's, it's, 
did it start a long time ago? It doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's very new. It feels like it's maybe up to 10 years, but... Uh, 10, 10 years would be like 99. I think it's a bit older than that. Okay. Um, there is a, a very nice... Uh, it's more than just a story. It's a real fact. I'll call it a story, for instance. Uh, back in uh, in... 92 or 94, I would like to say, uh, there was this uh, company, DreamHack. Mm -hmm. uh, there were two guys, Swedish guys, that uh, enjoyed playing games with, with their friends a lot. So one uh, one weekend, they rented uh, uh, a cafeteria in Stockholm, and they invited all their friends to bring their own computers and uh, play LAN games. Um, probably people that... <clears throat> game from time to time at home maybe maybe they know uh, like a starcraft game uh, back in the day or uh, uh, heroes of might and magic or something that you would play with with your friends online so this is how it started they they gather like 10 of them in a coffee shop in a cafeteria they enjoy that uh, weekend and from there on uh this <laughs> this madness grew <laughs> and we have dream hack events now that uh, bring bring uh, along uh, thousands of people uh, in in each corner of the the world, and uh, I, I'm just coming back from a dream hack. Actually, visiting you now. It was in Rotterdam, mm -hmm. and they still have like uh, it's. I think it's 25 years since they do this. Okay, and they still have. Of course, they have the big games, the Dota 2, the CS:GO, the Fortnite, the competitions on on for real money, big money. But they still have this uh, part of of their event that's called the Bring Your Own Computer. And uh, they they have a few huge amount of space where like a few hundreds of people bring their own computers and they just interact and play games together. So they, they kind of keep the tradition, but they also... Like we did in internet cafes back in the days. At home. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> now, you mentioned that prices for this industry grew very much. They started very low and now they are quite high. What's What's the pool price right now? Uh, right now for Dota 2, for instance, uh, we had the International 2019, uh, it took place in August and it was played for uh, $25 million, 25 plus a bit million dollars. You have to understand that this prize pool is uh, actually getting to, to this amount because the community uh, contributes to it. Okay. Valve, the game developer and the ones that organize this uh, Pinnacle tournament of the year each year, uh, they, they only put $1,600,000. Uh, okay, so where that, what does the rest of the money come The rest from? of the money comes from, uh, from the community, which are allowed or able to buy some uh, small uh, cosmetical things in the game. Okay. They don't give you any extra any extras on uh, on skill or anything in in Dota. It's just that your hero will uh, look different to have a pinky or blue shirt instead of brown one. So part of the uh, each each purchase of of that mm -hmm. uh, customable customable uh, object goes to, the... goes to the international price pool. And this is how you get to amounts. <laughs> well, but that's so that's that big. That that reaches uh, normal sports kind mm -hmm. of tournaments and and prizes. Yeah, so this year I think the winners uh, actually took home more more money than uh, Wimbledon winner, for instance. Okay, it's growing. It shows that it's growing. So, who are the major players in terms of countries, in terms of games played? What's um, you have to realize that each region or each country has its own culture and its own uh, way of uh, looking at games, and mm -hmm. people would like different things. Um, 
I'm, I'm someone that's uh, more specialized or more interested in Dota, and that's why I will give you a lot of examples from it. But uh, I can also tell you a bit of about League, for instance. Uh, is Dota the biggest or League, or it depends there's on always, the, There's always a, <laughs> a, a battle who's bigger, who, okay. who has the most uh, fans, who has the better uh, attraction, and, and so on. And it's also, uh, again, about, about what people are interested in, in different enjoy. kinds. Mm-hmm. In, in different uh, corners of the world. Um, for instance, in Dota, Dota is not very big in North America or in America mm-hmm. because there they are really into console games. So, uh, or uh, even FPS uh, shooters mm-hmm. like uh, Counter-Strike or Overwatch. So a tournament of Overwatch or Counter-Strike will all, always outshine a Dota 2 tournament in, in America. In the US, okay. The US. While in Southeast Asia, for instance, take Philippines, Malaysia, Indonesia, <coughs> Dota is king. There's nothing else besides Dota. No other game can can reach the, that that peak. You know that level of viewership and uh, craziness in terms of uh, in a good way of fans mm-hmm. and uh, they they fill stadiums every every time a Dota two tournament gets to to let's say for instance Philippines, the stadium will be packed. There's no no empty spot in the stadium. You do you do a tournament like that. Uh, I don't know. You do a tournament like that in Paris for Dota, and you will have half the uh, the yeah, venue yeah. empty. Mm-hmm. Then you'll go with the League of Legends to the same Paris and do Worlds, which is their championship, World Championship, and it's all again packed. So it's it's really about who likes what and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and know your where where your viewership is. Yes, the biggest. Yes, I've seen I've seen one of the internationals, the one with the virtual dragon that's flying. Uh, that was from league, yeah. That was from league, of, yeah. Okay. World championship. Okay, it's uh, it's very interesting the kind of technology they got to and the kind of show they got to uh, they got to put together. Mm-hmm. So there's not one bigger continent or bigger country than the other, or is it uh, is it I, working I better just, in the U.S. or or in China it's, or it's? I think it it split. really depends on on what game you're talking about mm-hmm. and. Everyone has its okay. Know, it's uh, it's favorite its area. Okay, part but they do well. I mean, when you say like Dota is not that big in North America, they still have a huge. <laughs> I mean, they they still bring like uh, one hundred thousand viewership on Twitch or something, if if they stream something from there. Okay, so what what do you do? Because I didn't start with this because I felt like somehow esports is not so well known. So what do you do in esports? I'm a, a esports journalist, let's say, mm-hmm. uh, focused on Dota. Okay. So how did you get to do this? Because I, I imagine you did, and I actually know that you didn't <laughs> start here. So, yeah. Uh, long story short, uh, I was playing a lot of uh, games when I was younger, and at some point I've discovered Dota. I've watched a lot of Dota because uh, it's a complex game, and I was a bit afraid to to jump into it right 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 after. Well, I watched when I thought that I understood a bit the mechanics. I started to play and it got me hooked very bad. I mean, mm-hmm. very bad, very fast. And I, I I spent like two years doing nothing, not nothing else. But uh, because of my real job back then, I was able to like stay at the computer and play for 10, 10 hours straight. And um, <clears throat> from from one thing to another, I went to a tournament in Bucharest. We had a tournament in Bucharest for the first time. Uh, I got to see live uh, how how a stage host will act, uh, how the tournament is held, and I got very interested into it because 
I come from a <clears throat> journalism background. I, I used to work in the national radio station in, in Romania. Um, so I've, I, I found a lot of similarities. Then I start to Google and search for, uh, for uh, things to read about all these players that you will see on the stage. Because you, you, you look at them, they are very young, they're like 16 years old, or, and they are so skilled. And you want to know more about them, right? Who, who are they besides the nickname on the stage? And I discovered that there are a lot of websites that do basic uh, and daily news and uh, team profiles and player profiles, interviews, everything that would come with a sports outlet, if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, so I followed them a lot. I, I, I read a lot of news about esports and, and the players that I was following closely. And, um, at some point I wanted, uh, Romania to have something like that because <clears throat> back in the day we had like a few Dota 2 players, pretty good. They got to go to the international with their teams, but nobody knew about them in, in our country. So of, along with a few friends that I would play Dota, we started a, a Romanian website called uh, Dota to Romania. We created everything for it, a Facebook page, a Twitter mm -hmm. page, and so on. <clears throat> the, the, the friends that I'm talking to about, uh, they were also computer um, engineer students, so they had the knowledge to, to build a website. And I was writing for the website in Romanian and would, I would feature all the Romanian players. I'll do interviews with them and, and get them, you know, <clears throat> spread the mm -hmm. word about who they are. I did that for like two years, I think, uh, completely for free, uh, in a volunteer. I mean, we would get some very small sponsorship from, from a HyperX, let's say, yeah. to make a contest for, for the viewership. You were having fun viewers. together. Yeah. And one day I was at a tournament, uh, also in Bucharest. And uh, one of the big websites that I was looking up to, the interviewer was feeling very sick. Uh, he had a stomach or a stomach flu, but he had a lot of uh, interviews scheduled. And because we kind of got to know each other in the person, we talked a bit, said, uh, can you do this only voice recorded for me? I will find a way to reward you for, for your work. I said, I can try. Mm -hmm. you know? And this is how actually one thing led to another. I got to work for that website. Uh, I got to know all the people in the industry by, by working for an, in an international outlet. And the what last thing I about, know. <laughs> what do you enjoy about the industry? What's, what keeps you there? It's still a niche industry. Yes, it is. Um, first of all, I'm uh, working for, for something that I enjoy doing it at home. I mean, Dota too. Mm -hmm. I enjoy playing this game. I enjoy watching it. Uh, I consume all my time, uh, my free time back in the day with it. And now I can make money out of it as well. Make a living mm -hmm. out of it. Right. Uh, this is, uh, I can work remotely. It's a dream job, right? right? When you enjoy doing something and then you earn money and then you can do it from wherever right. you want. I can, uh, I can work remotely because mm -hmm. I basically wrote, uh, write news and game analysis and, and things like that from home. I get to travel around the world a lot to go to all these tournaments and, uh, met the players and do the interviews and do the profiles or whatever the, mm -hmm. it's needed. So from, from, a six to nine job at the radio station where of course it was cool and different than most people would do for, for, for a living. Now I get to do that or what at, at the 100 power, you know, 
and do it for for something that I really like. It doesn't feel like a job. <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, actually what everyone says. It's it's the dream, right? That's when you get into the flow and you really enjoy uh, both your life and the job, and they get interwined, and then you don't feel like you're going to work. And you wake up in the morning, like uh, you wake up and uh, have a coffee and uh, write the news. And what's of course, uh, sorry, to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. Of course, uh, uh, doing uh, doing job like uh, remotely, jo- working remotely and working for home. Of course, uh, sometimes it get can get very tricky for yourself. Mm-hmm. You lose yourself into your work. You'll notice that you stay at the computer for 12 hours straight. Of course, you enjoyed doing whatever you did for the first six hours, but then you it's like, let's just finish this. Let's just mm-hmm. finish this. It can get very... You the, get the burnout, the burnout yeah. uh, syndrome, it, it gets to you really fast if you're not being careful with your work in this industry as well. <laughs> Yeah, everywhere. Actually, wherever you get pulled into and then you forget that you have to live mm-hmm. besides um, work. Work. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> can, it can get uh, stressful for the body and tricky. Is there something that attracted you or let me maybe ask a different question or ask it differently. Mm-hmm. What's the culture in this industry because they are and i will talk about it about the players there are a lot of young players it's i i feel from remotely as i am very remote way more remote than you that it's a very very young industry so i'm not sure how dynamic it is how 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 quick things are changing or not are the teams stable or not uh, is it more of a kind of friendship environment where everyone knows each other or is it more towards competitive and hey we hate the other team and we need to win against them so what's the culture in in the industry um we would like what we most of the people try to or would like to to see this going into this direction that um Although there are so much money involved, which can uh, really mess up with your mind, especially if you are very young. Uh, although there's so much money involved, uh, you should uh, understand that if you play a team game, for everything to work for the team, you have to start with chemistry, trust, and friendship. Mm-hmm. If you lack on these three, uh, even just one, you're just a bunch of uh, of dudes, of people trying to coordinate themselves with no result. You have to trust that your teammate will do the right thing or the right call. You have to be friends with each other. So because they they practice for like eight, 10 hours per day. And uh, most of the time they will do it from a boot camp or from a team house. Mm -hmm. You have to live with with all the people around you for for, uh, five, eight hours a day at minimum. Right. So if you don't get uh, along with uh, the person next to you, it can get very hard and you won't find success. So, yeah, I I, I do believe that friendship, uh, synergy and uh, trust are three of the biggest components mm-hmm. for a team to work. Does it take them long to t- get to that level or do they start as friends? And then they grow into a team like, or, or are they more like a football team? They, someone picks them up and they say, Hey, this person has a good skill for this kind of role in the game. And then they just mm-hmm. pick them up and, and put them together. And then they have to learn how mm-hmm. to, to build because friendship the, trust. Because yeah. the industry is so young, we call uh, what, what the, the players, the big players that you know from each game right now, it doesn't matter that it's league or counter-strike. Uh, the, the biggest players that you know right now, they are around 30 years old, okay. 32, 30. And we call them the first generation of esports uh, players. And they mostly started as um, 
online friends if you want. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm playing a game. Uh, uh, I, I find someone that online that I uh, get along with very well. We coordinate each other with each other in the game. Well, we have fun online. The next thing we know is that we'll go uh, meet on a weekend or we set up, uh, let's go to that event together. Sure, let's meet. And this is how teams are slowly formed back in the day. Mm-hmm. You'll find a group of two, three people. They are good. Uh, they like each other. They will just look for a fourth or a fifth player on the team. This is how they formed at the start. A lot of teams, they still follow the same example right now. I mean, there's like um, a core of the team, if you want. Mm-hmm. It starts from two players and they will just look for the best or the most skilled around them. You have uh, you have online leaderboards for each game. So you know who's at the top of the leaderboards in terms of skills, results. Okay. Uh, in the present days, uh, we still have this model going very, being very popular of uh, two, three dudes uh, starting something new or starting a new team, and just they will look, they will just look for the fifth, and and pick it up from a leaderboard. They will look and say who is the better ranked, who is the. Uh, th- th- there's also you have to understand that there's language barriers in this game. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, how uh, good five Polish guys would be, uh, four Polish guys would be. If they miss a fifth and those four can't speak any other language uh, well enough to to have success yes. in that uh, English in that or to language. get to get a, to get an English speaking player or something, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. they will need a fifth Polish until they learn the second language, mm-hmm. you know, and and so on. I mean, Chinese players, for instance, they have it very hard to to come to Western teams and play because you know that they have a hard time with the language yes and russians the same and 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 it's not like only like that i mean i'm pretty sure that somewhere in finland right now there's a very young dude a a kid at 12 or 14 years old that it's extremely skilled but it's very hard for him to join a team right now because of the language barrier so he will have to solve that first and Mm -hmm. am i right to look at this as a as a job because it might seem that it's still a game and then it's players coming together to have fun. But for me, when, when I, when I understood that they actually spend eight, 10, 12 hours a day mm-hmm. getting professional, uh, it seemed to me more like being a professional in football or tennis or whatever. And that yeah, you're, you're a sports person, but that's a job as well. And you earn money from it and you play for competitions and all mm-hmm. of that. Am I wrong to see it as a job as well? And then no, the it, rest it of is. the industry, they, you have jobs, but just talking about players. The players, no, mm-hmm. it, it is a real job for them. Uh, probably a harder job than uh, than a nine to six sometimes job, office job. Uh, it is a real job. They have salaries for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of the players would... Uh, Take uh, take uh, they split the prize money between themselves when mm-hmm. they win a tournament. Uh, but of course, you won't always win the tournaments. You can't make a living of hoping that you will you only yeah. be okay if you win tournaments. So all these teams, organizations that they have behind, uh, they pay them a salary. Okay. Uh, besides that, m- some of them stream are streamers also. They have uh, a schedule for streaming a one, two hours a day. So they get some sponsorship money and viewership money. Yeah. And they have, you have the, the in streams, no matter if you are on Twitch or on Mixer or whatever streaming platform, you will have uh, some income coming from, from your uh, followers, uh, subscribers, donations and so on. Okay. So I wasn't wrong to look at it as a, as a, as a job. It is a very hard job sometimes. Uh, now talking about Dota, because that's a game 
we both know, and then it's mm-hmm. it's a bit easier for me to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a quiet, complex game, right? Mm-hmm. It's a strategy game. So how there there need there need to be five to play the game, right? Mm-hmm. In football, you need to have eleven, I imagine, mm-hmm. and then you need to have five here. What are the different roles that they take, and what is the difference in skill for each of the roles that they that they take? Mm-hmm. Um, to be a successful Dota 2 team, you have to be beyond skilled. I mean, the, I, I can't compare myself. I, I'm playing Dota for seven years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as I told you, I had days when I would spend 10 hours a day. Uh, I have more than 10 hours, 10,000 10, hours played like in the game. And I still can't compare myself, not with even the, I don't know, the tier two players. players. So you have to be very, very skilled and your mind has to, and your fingers have to work in a certain way. Um, in a team of Dota, you have the five players um, and they are spread in five roles, carry, mid lane, off laner, off lane, uh, support four and support five. Um, for those who don't uh, really know anything about Dota, but maybe know something about other games, um the carry is the one that's more tanky needs more time to he needs a lot of farm he needs to be protected mm-hmm. for the first part of the game so he can uh, gather gold and and get the better items to make him more tankier more so to have armor and, and to resist in fights he's the one that stays in front and mitigates a lot of damage mm-hmm. uh the mid laner is uh, the most active uh, or the most skilled player in the in the team if you want on the team the mid players are uh, very flashy. They uh, they actually need to be uh, alone in the lane, so they uh, get level six very fast. I'm not gonna. The, they are the ones that get the key. So it's the action player, basically. It's the action player. It's, yes. it's the the attacker. The attacker, the mm-hmm. ones that steer the pot, the ones mm-hmm. that start the fights and look for for opportunities. And uh, in the off lane, you have uh, a second tank if you want a mm-hmm. second uh, person that. Uh, it's a mix of between needing the level and needing the items. Mm-hmm. The heroes are, are uh, different in such ways that they fit these roles, of course. Then you have the supports. Usually the supports are uh, are there to protect your uh, position one, the carry, and uh, to to help with the team fights. Are the healers, if you mm-hmm. want, mm-hmm. In, in very general line. The position five uh, support is also mostly the captain of the team, the one that spends most of the time watching the minimap, being aware of where the enemy is all the time, what uh, cooldowns were used and what should be done next and uh, creates the strategy and everything. This is the fifth in the team, the support five. So besides being very um, agile with your fingers, what else is important and trust and friendship and all of that? Uh, to be able to actually play this game competitively? Probably, I would say, uh, mental strength. Mm-hmm. Don't get... Uh, it's it's like a poker, if you want. At okay. poker, you know, you, ha- you have this uh, term tilting. Mm-hmm. You, you can get very frustrated if something goes uh, wrong. Mm-hmm. Especially if you know it was your own mistake that led to some something bad in, in the game or some loss, some... It's very easy to to break down from that to to get into a corner and say I'm not good I made this I I lost for my team so mm-hmm. you have to have a very strong strong uh, strong uh, mind mm-hmm. to, to to be able to, be, to move to on this mm-hmm. yeah everyone makes mistakes and you you can recover from anything um, 
There are so many, I think. <laughs> you have to be good at multitasking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you have to talk. You have to be aware of many other things uh, than than the five trips in front of you. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. How important is how important is for them to be able to communicate besides the language barrier, right? Mm-hmm. And then we we spoke about about it a bit. But how important is it to be able to have the right communication, not too much, not too little, uh, so everyone is informed and everyone knows. Do, do they need to let each other know what they are doing, or they see it on the map, or uh, do they actually talk all the time? It's a mix of those and. Uh, Some teams prefer it one way, some teams prefer it the other way. Anyhow, this is something that they practice for, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, On on those many hours they spend in the boot camps together, uh, they they find their way or their synergy. There's no, this is the way, this is is how it should be done. No, every team finds its own uh, way of doing it, how how they feel comfortable. For instance, if you have support, let's say, or even a carry player that is Mm -hmm. not very good with English, but he understands everything. It's just that he finds it hard to express himself in English. Uh, he will not talk that much, but mm-hmm. he listens, he understands, he knows. The, usually the supports, uh, especially the support five, is the one that talks very much. That, that's the captain. That's the captain. That's uh, the, the game is, um, you, you see the game, you have the game on your screen, of course, but uh, you have a mini-map some, somewhere in the corner and you can watch the movements on the mini-map. <clears throat> He is the one that's watching the minimap all the time. He's the one that provides vision for everyone on the map mm-hmm. by placing words, by doing him, doing uh, some scouting himself in the enemy jungle and so on. Uh, then you have the mid player who also usually has to communicate because he's the one that starts, uh, as I told mm-hmm. you, sets the tempo of the game. So if he's a bit behind, he has to communicate. If he's uh, very far ahead, he has to communicate. He says, guys, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's... And how quickly does the game change? Is it so if they played one game, is the second game the same? And mm. then, uh, of course, the map is, is pretty much the same and the heroes and you, you, you learn them. But how and how often does it change in game? So they have to change strategy and think differently. Uh, pretty much Dota. Dota is a very open game from, from that perspective. Uh, the game can change uh, very, very fast and... Although you come with a strategy and you think this is the plan, this is what we have to do, you learn playing the game with a strategy that mm-hmm. you came that you have to change it on, on the way and on the fly. But to answer your question, um, they have the same map all the time. They don't change the map, but they change the heroes. Uh, Dota 2 has uh, 120 plus heroes. Okay. So uh, you have uh, 10 heroes at the same time on, on the map. Each, uh, the, the game is very strategical and... Part of that is the draft. The draft means that before you jump on on the map with some heroes to play, uh, the captain or the drafter uh, has to make the strategy from the hero pool. Mm -hmm. He chooses what you want to play and he also bans five heroes Mm -hmm. for the enemy. Oh yeah, it it changes a lot because most of the time you'll change the hero. Mm -hmm. It changes a lot. Okay. Um, Is there... Any one role in the team more important than the other? You would say, yeah, we could do without a support four, but we couldn't do without a captain. No, I don't think so. Okay. It's a team game. And again, for everything to work, you have to have the team. Okay. Together. What makes, what makes the difference between an amateur and a professional in terms of skills of mentality? What's, what takes them to that 
one step to be professional rather than amateur? Uh, the professional scene is also split, no matter the game we're talking about now, uh, it's split into a tier one team, uh, tier, tier one scene. Mm -hmm. uh, this is where the very valorous and the very successful teams and players are, mm -hmm. tier, two one, uh, tier one. And then you have the lower tiers, tier two, tier three. You can go as, okay, as depending as, on how yeah. much, how bigger the game is. Uh, and then you have the uh, amateurs or the casual mm -hmm. gamers. Uh, there's a, the, the difference between tier two and tier one, for instance, is also pretty big and it's mainly in skill. Usually the tier one teams are the big organizations that mm -hmm. they have all the infrastructures behind them to help them sustain the um, insane amount of work that needs to be done, the longer training hours, uh, the a lot of travels, media, and everything that they need to do. The lower teams usually they don't have all the infrastructures behind them because they don't earn that much money to to afford to have them. They usually don't have a coach or they lack in, into the psychologist department mm -hmm. and so on. There's something lacking all the time for them, unfortunately, and they have to put in the extra work hours and hope that uh, there's also a bit of luck involved for them okay. to, into a to get into a tournament. The difference is um, probably experience, I would say. I mean, mm -hmm. once you start to go to tournaments, uh, you'll find you, you'll fi find the rhythm, you'll uh, get used to it. But when a newcomer or a tier two or tier three team gets for the first time on a land tournament and he has to play in front of thousands of people and you have all the lights on you, you're suddenly on a stage, you're suddenly interviewed, there are people taking photos of you, all this gets on them, you know, it's it's all too much fast mm -hmm. so and it's again that mental strength mm -hmm. maybe and this practice i mean you will right. learn mm -hmm. that in time maybe the same as for any any sports mm -hmm. I, I you'll imagine. get used to 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 have lights on you at some point you mm -hmm. know? okay um we spoke about the age of these players and i think some of the skills come comes is due to the age right the, because they have this this uh, dexterity with with their hands is it what's the age when when they start playing dota and then other games as well it's probably around 32 33 30 i mean we have very few people very few players professional players that would uh, still be very successful past 33 i would say 34 okay. very few like you can it, it's and that's 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 because of just physical it's because uh a lot of other factors actually uh people would say that uh that's a normal uh it's a normal body thing that your uh, mind doesn't coordinate with your fingers so as quickly as, as quickly as it, it used to be at 16 uh, at the same time, uh, when you, you are past 30, you you start to have other uh, needs in your life. You start to have a life of your own. You, you're, you're not eating uh, what your mom cooks anymore. You're mm -hmm. probably moved out and you have to pay bills. Uh, you have to... Now yeah, it's yeah, a yeah, very real, a normal life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You start to want to, to, to start a family, maybe. You have some other interests. Uh, focuses on, on your life you have to provide if you mm -hmm. made a family you have to provide for that family and so on and being all the time on on the road be traveling so much can be very tiring for a person that changed the lifestyle from home you know mm -hmm. he's not it's something when you're and i'm, I'm talking from experience because <clears throat> 
again, when I was younger, I was doing a lot of other stuff. So it's one thing when you come home at uh, seven years old and you just drop your backpack and say, mom, please do me the, do the lunch. Make do, the, like, yeah, to eat and, and do yeah. my laundry. I have to yes. go into 20 minutes. Uh -huh. And it's another thing when you come home and you have to do all this stuff yourself. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, it happens with age and it happens to them as well. It, mm -hmm. They are humans. Okay. So what's the earliest age that they start? Uh, usually it's 14 around okay. that. I mean, uh, at 14, uh, you already have players playing professionally at, or okay. showing up, being already ready for tournaments. They qualify for tournaments and, and things like that. So it's practically they have maybe up to 20 years mm -hmm. of, uh, of professional life in esports. No, that's a, that's a professional life in uh, competitive play. Competitive, yes. Because uh, players that are well equipped here mm -hmm. also, they, they are very, very smart. There's people that are mm -hmm. better with other things, you know. But uh, you, you usually have uh, retired professional players that would turn into coaches or they will uh, go into uh, study some economics or something else and they will become managers of teams. Mm -hmm. They will start their own business. I, actually, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask. So besides professional players, which is a team of five and, and so on, so there are not so many that's even more niche. Mm -hmm. What are the jobs that are being developed besides them, around them? So you have coaches that mm -hmm. teach them how to play the game, I imagine, and then they uh, help them, help yes, them with the strategical part mm -hmm. of the game. Okay. Mm -hmm. You have team managers mm -hmm. that do all the booking, accounting, traveling. They will stay in queue. For instance, I'm a media person, right? I'm mm -hmm. a writer. So 99% uh, of the time I will talk firstly with the manager. I will consult with him. Hey, uh, hey, John, uh, I want to interview these players of mm -hmm. yours. Uh, he will ask me, okay, so when should we set? We set up the meeting, the interview, it's online, it's live, mm -hmm. it's on the camera, it's only voice. You sometimes have to discuss a bit the question with the manager so he makes so he can make sure that the player can is uh, or either can answer or is, or is willing to answer okay. some questions. Uh, the manager is with them at the tournaments all the time, taking care that they eat, that they drink water all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, he knows their diets and everything, you know. So yeah, it's it's really like a football team manager taking care of them. Mm -hmm. So there's journalism. Mm -hmm. uh, you told me about tournaments. So I imagine those are just tournaments are part of esports, mm -hmm. right? And everything it's it's in the same industry, right? I'm not wrong to put them in the same uh, pot. Yeah. So everything related to a tournament organization, from the technical part to the thinking part Take to video, everything as an event. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's yes. something that that's uh, a job around it. Are the platforms like Twitch or the others, are they part of esports or they are separate? They are more they in are, the game they are of, the course, of course, they are a part of esports, a rather big, very big one, because all these tournaments, if you look at them, they, they, they are uh, uh, broadcast live on Twitch, mm -hmm. mostly. Of course, they have deals with some other platforms uh, from time to time as well, like YouTube or Mixer or Facebook even. Uh, but yeah, it's mainly Twitch, <clears throat> but, uh, those streaming platforms, they are more, they are, they are also very involved in the 
whole gaming is mm-hmm. very involved. They are a big part of the gaming industry as well because on Twitch you can stream any game, right? You don't have to be this uh, international uh, yeah. champion to stream. Also, so it's a, they're, they're split. <clears throat> but yeah, if anyone <clears throat> wants to find a job in esports or gaming, then uh, then uh, these platforms would be something to go for. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, people behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read somewhere that only esports in the US had the 2018 about 2,000 jobs openings. and openings, yes. And uh, this year about 5,000, so quite growing quite uh, quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. So for everyone wanting to switch maybe careers, that's uh, that's not so bad. Even if you're not a professional player, then you can still get into uh, get into yes. esports. I, I guess, not, not that I guess, I'm pretty sure that uh, jobs are more behind the scenes than, than actually it, on the on the computer playing the game did you see so besides yourself did you know anyone else who turned from doing something else and 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 then started working into esports yes yes there are a lot of people who who change careers at some point uh, but there are also a lot of people that uh, understand that this is a booming industry mm-hmm. And they want the the shortcut into mm-hmm. it. You know, there's a lot of people who maybe there are now students, they study, I don't know, chemi- maths in, into some university, but they want to get into esports and they don't know how. Uh, those probably will start to push some, a lot of uh, analysis and uh, numbers articles or uh, stats, if you want. Okay. Uh, this team has this many wins and uh, the win rate is this. And Okay. You know, they, yes. What makes a good journalist in esports? Because mm. I know you're hiring, you're hiring uh, as well every now and again for journalists. What makes them, what makes others want to read their articles and keep the audience engaged? I understand it's not necessarily the stats. It is, no. A lot of people are interested in the stats, of mm-hmm. course. But when you get like a... Uh, Let's say you you do a job opening, you make a job hiring announcement, and you'll get from uh, twenty articles, uh, twenty uh, samples. Uh, Seventeen of them are just pure stats, and I'm like, okay, but be- be- between these stats, mm-hmm. you need to put a few words. You know what? What can you narrate me these stats a bit? Mm-hmm. What am I looking at? Okay. If I'm not a Dota two addict, mm-hmm. um, what makes a good journalist depends. It depends on, uh, I mean, uh, of course, if you want to be a journalist in uh, in an international, uh, for an international outlet, for, for someone that publishes in English, you have to be at least decently good with English, right? At, at least with the grammar and the written English part of it. Um, then you have to understand the game that you want to write for, to know the game. I mean, you don't have to be an expert or uh, uh, someone that... Uh, I don't know, place that hours a day. Yeah. But you have to understand the game at least and, and a lot of passion for, for the industry and for the game because mm-hmm. if you turn this into a real job or into a, if you think that you can go and work as a journalist in esports from nine to six, you're very wrong. You won't be able to survive. There will always be people more passionate than you, willing to wake up at 3 a.m. to watch a tournament in another time zone and mm-hmm. write about it or, you know, so you have to 
be a bit passionate. Okay, so you're not only writing about, so you don't, you're not split by, uh, I don't know, time zones or anything like that. It's just the tournament and you're writing about the tournament. So you, someone would need to know that, hey, I need to be awake, like a real journalist as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to be, to be there, there when the news happens, you mm -hmm. know, you can't really say i mean you can of course you can that happens There's, that's why some are more uh, successful than others so, but you can't really tell to your uh, editor-in-chief ah sorry i was sleeping when uh, that happened yeah i'll do it one hour later no not news happened now you have mm -hmm. to do it now it's like any other journalism work <laughs> <laughs> um, how long would it take for someone to maybe start learning about this if they've never played the games, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but they want to get into esports because maybe they have a friend or they're just listening. They're just listening to us and they say, "Yeah, maybe that's interesting." And I would like a change of career and do something different. Will it take a year, two, three? Depends on what you want to do in esports. Of course, uh, from from the outside, it might look like it's easy to write a three hundred word mm -hmm. or four hundred word news about anything. Um, I'm I'm someone that uh, I'll I'll give you an example. I'm someone that doesn't watch uh, FPS games. I know in general how they played. I know the rules of CS:GO. Yeah. I know First the win first. conditions and 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 things like that. I would probably be I'm not. I, I actually had to do this because my colleague was like not at the computer in right in that moment, or I was just helping because too many things would happen at the same time. I'm of course able to put uh, 300 words about uh, X player had to withdraw from this tournament or X team. Mm -hmm. I'll the be facts. able, but I, I don't. Yeah. I can't go into details. I don't know their history, and I will not feel comfortable to mm -hmm. to to do analysis piece on why this player from CS:GO switched teams. That's their job to mm -hmm. to do that. Um, so of course it's easy to think about uh, from the outside that you'd uh, just be able to start and write small small things and ask for some money for it. But I think we already have trained people or people that are in the industry for long enough to to do that general cover stuff. When you look into to get into esports, maybe you should look at your skill set and see what interests you interests you besides uh, the game itself or. You, you can become a, a, a graphic designer for a team, for instance. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of openings. I mean, if you follow them on Twitter or on their social media accounts, they will always look for someone to make their logos or to change their colors or to make some banners for some tournaments. Uh, okay. So, for instance, graphic 2D graphic designers okay. are always something that people look for. Uh, you can become a social media, social media handler for a team mm -hmm. or for a player. Why not? Um, if you are someone that studies economics, again, they, there's a lot of openings in, in behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just managing the, the budgets and managing the teams and making sure they're profitable. And mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. They have money and, to spend. And for, for the journalists, as I, saw, uh, I think a successful or a, a good journalist is the one that... Uh, knows the game as well it doesn't have to be a good player it's mm -hmm. like football you have this uh or you can be a commentator we didn't talk about that so okay. we have like casters shout out casters commentators analysts uh, people on the panel the broadcast broadcast has a lot of people on it all the time the tournaments um but uh, if you want to be a a good journalist and or uh someone that will not be overlooked you have to understand the game a bit 
so you know what you're talking about. And you can describe the game, not only the behind the scenes and how the team is formed and everything like that, so you can comment and analyze yeah, you, the game. Yeah, you, you commentate as in on the mic. Mm -hmm. No, that's a different job. But mm -hmm. uh, yes, give a, a review, a recap or analysis on mm -hmm. a game or what this win, team win won this mm -hmm. uh, game. Yes, you, you should be able to do that. Okay. Ideally. Okay. Would a lot of the professional players turn into these uh, live commentators because they know the game rather than just coaches and... Uh... Yes, we have players that would turn into commentators or analysts, uh, broadcast analysts. Because I imagine that you need the, you need the, you need to know the game to be able to comment live and analyze live mm -hmm. what's happening. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yes, yes, we have, we have, uh, we have quite a few. Mm -hmm. I um, wanted to ask also a question because they start at a very, very young age. We're going going to professional players, mm -hmm. not to journalists. They start at a very young age. Um, and then you told me when we spoke about it uh, the, in the last few days that up to a certain age, they are actually accompanied by parents, mm -hmm. right? Because they need to have a guardian, they, someone needs to take care of them and mm -hmm. uh, take care that, uh, yeah, they are properly treated and they sleep and all of that. Um, so if, what would, what should parents know if, if one of their kids wakes up and says, Hey, I want to be a professional player, should they start worrying about it? Should they go ahead with it? Uh, how should they think about it? Because I imagine that for some, I mean, a lot of the parents that I know working in corporations are very much afraid when their kids play too much. They And they all try to get them away from pay, play, playing and spending more time outside, reading, uh, going to school, anything else but mm -hmm. playing. But when you tell me that there's yeah, eight, 10, 12 hours involved that to become professional players, then how should parents think about it? Uh, like any sports. I mean, I don't know why it's more dangerous to have your kid uh, doing becoming a, uh, a game in sports at athletes mm -hmm. uh, rather than becoming a, a gymnast or a rapist or uh, it's the same. I mean, those people spend hours and hours training. They spend time uh, uh, far away from home in right team houses and uh, boot camps. It's the same with these uh, uh, esport players. Uh, the fact that they play the computer doesn't make them uh, less something. Mm -hmm. um, they, they, all the teams or all the big teams or the esports in general and started to understand now that you have to keep your players or the the people working for you in a good shape, in so they have all the time uh, a physiotherapist. They have uh, people that take care or make sure that they do enough uh, movement, enough mm -hmm. gym, enough to stay healthy. Okay. Because yes, this was uh, like something people would would say back in the only a few years ago about the the computer games. Uh, people that enjoy, ah, oh, you're staying a lot on your uh, chair. You will get fat you mm -hmm. eat junk food you it's not like that for for a while now i mean everyone understands that you have to be healthy for your mind to be healthy you have to have a healthy body as well so now they are very good taking care on that aspect too and uh, somehow the careers last as long as in normal sports i mean mm -hmm. i don't know you, you start at a very young age at five seven nine years to to train to be a marathonist and you end at 40s that's around that right mm -hmm. if i'm not wrong so it, they are very similar in that aspect and i don't think they, they should be worried because you can con continue your studies afterwards or you can at least know exactly what you want to do after your mm -hmm. 
after your esports career. Yes, yes. Do they do some still study while they uh, remote studying or not so much? Not so much. Some some do remote mm-hmm. studying, but I I'm I'm never been next to them to tell you how important or how big that is in their mm-hmm. life. Most of them, I mean, uh, some of the very successful players that uh, got into into the attention of everyone and got very successful, very young, like or 14, 15 years old. At some point, they dropped from school. They will continue their school at some point. I mean, again, in esports, they kind of retire earlier than 40s. They okay. around... 32 33 it's over for them competitively competitively and then they can go into the into the backstage mm-hmm. or yeah we have for or... instance in dota 2 uh, we have this team alliance mm-hmm. they're a swedish organization and they won the international 2013 uh, and most of them are i mean not most of them four of them are already retired now and everyone is a very successful businessman. They all went back to their schools. They finished uh, economics. They finished uh, politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have their own businesses now. And they are very successful. So they uh, stayed in esports or? Uh, some stayed, some not. Some not, some not. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that it's the end of your life. No. If, uh, I mean, 30 if years old is very It's very early. Young. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't want to forget to pick on something that you told me at the beginning. And I think... It's worth mentioning that it's not something to worry about. You told me that they had psychologists, right, mm-hmm. uh, as part of the teams. And uh, why is that? Uh, one, the very important part is that I told you already that uh, you you would get a lot of uh, anxiety and uh, stress from the tournaments, mm-hmm. from being on the stage, from having. Uh, you also start. Uh, I mean, of course. Probably as a kid, I don't know, because it wasn't like that back in the day when I was starting to play games more and more. But today uh, you, you look up to somebody like Ninja, let's say, uh, from, from Fortnite, and you say, you, I want to be like him or I want to be have this many followers as him. And the next thing you know, if you are super, super good and super serious about your goal, you'd be the next Ninja and you'll have 30 million followers on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, at some point you'll have to give your Instagram... Uh, <laughs> account to a manager because to a, to, to, to a social media accountant manager because you can't really get get in touch with everyone is reply to so many uh, messages that you receive fans they are also very young most of them and they can be they can make you or break you they say you know okay. they can uh, be very happy about your success and send you all the positive and all the good thoughts and encouragement words words but once you lost the tournament they it can bad. be very very tricky to read those messages it gets to them to the players and the psychologist is there to help them mm-hmm. pick it up from from there because yes the community makes you but breaks you very i've seen so many stories of players crumbled by by their fans you know and uh, you've also told me and uh, maybe that's where i wanted to get that uh, actually they are there to help to help keep the motivation up and running after they've won as well because mm-hmm. you win big amounts of money mm-hmm. and then you might say okay but i'm uh, set <laughs> for life so <laughs> yeah oh well i'm 22 now i have these many many millions in my bank account what next i should go uh taking a vacation for the next two, 10 years or what mm-hmm. Yes, uh, there are. Uh, we we have a lot of teams that work with uh, psychologists, and they are there uh, also to to keep them motivated to to make them see a couple of years 
further mm-hmm. than just what just happened, you know, to, to make the long-term plan. And because they're still very big, young, so bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger goals. It's still it's still hard to think that far away when you're very young. Yes, actually, if we if we think back, where if I think of myself going back, I, yeah, you have you you believe you can do everything and uh, you are all powerful and yeah. And if, you, can if touch anyone you, no. would have asked you at sixteen or seventeen years old, well, where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, what? <laughs> Why should that? I? That's, that's old. Yes. Why, Why should I worry about five years from now? Yeah, yeah that's uh, that seems old. Uh, if you would have been, I don't know, 12, 13 right now, would you still go as a journalist or would you start? Would you try to be a professional player? I would probably start uh, try to, to be a professional player. Sounds more fun. More fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You enjoy playing. No, still. I, I enjoy <laughs> playing and I'm someone that's very competitive by nature. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, probably I would have tried that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a thing back in the day. So No, it wasn't. Definitely. We're the same age. So mm-hmm. uh, at that point, definitely it wasn't. Not where we come from anyway. Mm-hmm. We had to go to school and uh, study and uh, read books and all of that. <laughs> So, um, if someone wants to find a job, uh, in the industry, mm-hmm. if they want to become a professional player, what should they do? If they want to become a psychologist for teens, what should they do? Or should, I guess do they... psychologists have to study psychology. Yeah, it doesn't work with no, no. like, so I figure have, it out. If they have the studies and everything, mm-hmm. are there published jobs? Should they get in mm-hmm. touch with the teams? How can they find out about the kind of jobs that are in the industry and then apply for them, given that they have mm-hmm. the skills? Um, I would lo- also like to believe that people that want to, to get a, a very real esports related job, I mean, you can be a, an accountant, no matter the industry, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I guess you, you would just search for, uh, if you go Google, uh, esports careers, mm-hmm. I think you'll find some... Uh, so it's that easy. I yes, didn't, I, honestly, I did not look. It so. is. Uh, and uh, there's also uh, a few uh, websites, mm-hmm. I, I would call them, that they have uh, job listenings. Mm-hmm. Listenings, uh, you can pick and choose. Like, And we have... Uh, th- there's also some uh, very <clears throat> business-oriented uh, websites like eSports Observers, uh, esports insider they are all more about the industry financially mm-hmm. speaking all the all that so you want to find about about the industry then it's uh esports observer i think so yes okay. and, and uh, that, that that's that's a very good outlet for that but if you want to look uh for a career mm-hmm. I, I bet that if you google search right now esports careers you'll find Mm-hmm. a lot of uh, useful links for that mm-hmm. uh, if you want to be someone uh, uh, um, a 2d or 3d gra- gra- graphic graphician for them or someone that takes care of their uh, logos images or if you want to be their uh, i don't know manager i guess you start uh, by following them on on their social media accounts knowing something about them mm-hmm. about the players about the culture Showing of interest the team. In them. Mm-hmm. of course i i can't really knock on on uh on a football team door right now, say, Hey, I'm Andre. I want to be your manager. <laughs> Good luck yes. with that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they will ask me a few things about their players, about their culture, about their team, about their history. So you have to know all this. Would it things. help if they would go to uh, tournaments? Are they open or, and then just uh, meet players, shake hands, talk to of them? Course, of course, of okay. course. So uh, all the tournaments have this, uh, grip, Meet and greet, meet and greet, mm-hmm. meet and greet sessions, uh, signing sessions with the players. Um, 
yes, of course, you can start with that. I started with that. I started mm-hmm. by going to, to my first tournament in Bucharest. It wasn't that uh, extraordinary. It was back in 2013, 12, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd say. And, uh, but yeah, there was a guy on the stage there that took my all my attention and then there was the players playing and I saw them interacting and yeah it became very interesting okay so if someone if someone wants to go out there then starting with the tournament would help and I think you find them all over Europe because I know you're traveling all, all over, over the Europe world. or yeah. all over the world so, uh, so yeah. it's not so hard to find the tired from yeah lower tiers to, uh, to higher, higher tiers, tiers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool is there anything that maybe I forgot to ask you I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> it depends very much on what was your target. Just to let people know what uh, what this industry is all about and how they could find jobs and what the jobs are about, what skills are needed and, um, and all of that. Yes, of course. Uh, with, with this industry growing so fast and so much, uh, there, there's also countries, especially the Nordic countries like Sweden, Finland, uh, that part of the world. And then you have also in the Philippines, in the Southeast Asia, where computer games, not only Dota is big, big, big. They've started to have programs in schools. You have, mm-hmm. uh, you, you will have a module or a class of esports, something. There's always lectures on esports in schools uh, in in the Northern Europe, especially, and then in Southeast Asia, in America as well. So it's, uh, I think, I'm, 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 I'd like to be positive and think that in a very few years, couple years from now, you'll have universities where you can study esports and get trained in the university for some job in into esports and it will not be so much intuitive and how we did it at mm-hmm. the beginning like learning by doing it ourselves thank you so much andrea for today and thanks thank for you. enlightening us about about uh, esports i think that's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a very good and interesting field to start working into and it's very different from what has happened so far mm-hmm. right it's 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 new and if, if someone wants to go away and think that hey i don't want to be a bartender maybe i want to work in esports or anything anything else where i don't want to work in an uh, in an uh, office uh, doing excel work but i want to be out there to meet players and and so on yes mm-hmm. uh and i cannot access i don't know football teams or I don't like them uh, football or tennis so much then then you can go into into sports that's uh, it's one option that you have which yes. is new yes thank you yeah. so much thank you so much for having me <laughs> and thanks again for for uh, coming to Amsterdam and doing this with me and then uh, now maybe we can go have a coffee and uh, and enjoy the sun let's go <laughs>